You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 240 of Podcateers. It has been a hectic week. I've been sick, my computer died, and I haven't been able to get much work done because of it. Uh, I am feeling much better today, but we did miss a birthday shout out because of my computer problems. So Lindsay, I'm sorry we weren't able to post anything for you on Instagram, but we hope you had a very happy birthday. This week, our talk about Tomorrowland continues, and Melissa gives us some background on Space Mountain. We also talk about Lee Unkrich announcing that he's leaving Pixar and the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Remember that if you'd like to join the conversation, you can leave us a comment on the blog post for the episode over at podcateers.com slash 240 or by connecting with us on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. Before we start the episode, I'd like to take a moment to offer our thanks and send a huge shout out to the members of the FGP squad for their help and support in helping make these episodes of Podcateers possible via their contributions on Patreon. If you like what you hear and you'd like to become one of our podcast fairy godparents, you can get more information by heading over to podcateers.com slash FGP. The next time you need to purchase something on Amazon, you can help us out tremendously by starting off at podcateers.com slash Amazon. On that page, you'll find a huge Amazon button that will take you to Amazon using our special referral link. And anything that you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon for mentioning them on this podcast. To everyone taking a few extra seconds to help us out, thank you very much for that support. Thanks for spending some time with us again. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We hope you like what you hear and that you come back for more. Here is episode 240 of Podcateers. You guys are getting the semi-coherent uh, Hazen right now. You guys are also Aww. getting the Hazen that can breathe slightly better. You're also getting the Hazen that has been drinking tea and his throat is starting to clear up. So hopefully as we go through this episode, the tea will continue to function and I will sound better and better. So, it sounds like we're also getting 1970s diner waitress Hazen. Well, look, here's the thing. <laughs> What do you have, doll? <laughs> I I was really hoping that I would be able to grab a guitar and this would be like my smelly cat phase. So I'd be like, <laughs> nice. smelly cat, smelly cat. And then I could just make a ton of money off of that. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how this lasts. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> and if I drink the tea, it seems to, to uh, soothe my throat and then I'm okay for a little bit. But the more that I talk, because, I mean, Hazen doesn't talk a lot. We we all know that. I never talk right. a lot. So yeah. as long as I don't talk a lot, I'll be okay. Yeah, that. That being said, let's talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to spit on his teeth, don't you? I almost spit it on the microphone. <laughs> oh, so man. it's been a, a crazy weekend. Uh, my youngest son has been sick for about a week, and I've been dodging it and dodging it, 
doing my best not to get sick because we had so many birthday parties to go to this last weekend. I mean, it was my sons and my dads and my goddaughters and our friends' two daughters. The weekend was just packed full of stuff to do. And uh, as a courtesy to the parents with all the children at the parties that we were supposed to go to, uh, the night before, we ultimately decided that I should stay home with our youngest so that we don't infect the other children and they can all just, you know, spend their time having fun and not have angry parents, you know, uh, at us primarily for taking our sick kids. Uh, I mean, obviously... Uh, our son was a little bummed out because he knew there was going to be this birthday party and it was at this cool like jumping place where they have like all those bouncy houses and stuff like that. And so he was a little bummed out, but it happened to coincide that Saturday was also uh, like this kind of mini Pokemon community day thing where they had a special event uh, to catch uh, a shiny. It's called a Phoebus. It's one of the Pokemon. Gavin's shaking his head. And this is, don't worry about it. I'm almost done, Gavin. So the <laughs> How point did you is, trick me into getting a Pokemon <laughs> discussion going again? <laughs> You're welcome, sir. So there Dang. was this, this Pokemon event. And so I, I asked them, hey, I know we're, we're home by ourselves. Do you want to go grab some food? We'll go grab McDonald's or something. And then we'll go out and walk around for, for Pokemon Community Day. And he was super psyched about it. And at least walking around, you know, we didn't have to worry about you know, being sick or anything. We're walking down the street, just kind of up and down the block, just collecting Pokemon and stuff. And he had a blast. You know, we walked around for about three hours and he was super psyched about it. Uh, I caught two shiny Phoebus in the process. Nice. Super psyched about it. Now, look, Gavin, (laughs) you're mocking me. (laughs) No, I'm excited for you. You're mocking me. I know you are. But you don't understand how special it is to have this shiny Phoebus, at least to mm-hmm. me, especially considering that when I went out, I had a fever. And so I'm walking Whoa. around the street with my kid with a fever just to make sure that he had some fun on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, amazing. It, it was it was kind of crummy because I did want to go check out Mickey's uh, new show. I saw some oh, people yeah. posting pictures and some video on instagram about it and i was super excited and then just i just felt so bad by friday night that i just thought okay i can crawl out of this let's do it i couldn't in in trying to balance what was going on and then you know just trying not to fall over uh i didn't get a chance to go (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen it yet either have you seen it melissa i haven't Uh, Uh, yeah i'm going this weekend this coming weekend finally nice yeah well i hope i'm feeling better by then uh so that i can uh, head down there lynette's been really wanting to go as well and uh just with everything going on and to top it all off microsoft screwed me again this weekend darn microsoft yeah Get off my lawn. Oh, I, I don't even know how to feel about Microsoft anymore. The fact that over the last year, Windows 10 updates have essentially killed my computer to the point of no return. I just, I mean, I, I don't want a Mac. 
And I know people will argue, oh, but Macs don't run into these issues. Get yourself a Mac, MacBook Pro. It's like, well, to all the people that are saying that, buy me one. And then <laughs> yeah. I will use it. Bottom line, it is an expensive computer that I just do Agreed. not have the money for. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I have a Dell. <laughs> <laughs> if that is your mentality, buy me one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I hate the fact that now in Windows 10, it just forces you to do these updates. And I understand that their security updates are important, but I mean, don't force people to do them. I mean, I I don't yeah. do stuff on my computer where I need to be updating this all the time. When I had Windows 7, I never ran into any problems. And then there was I, hardly any updates. I know. And then I got Windows 8, and that was a bleepy, deep, bleepy, bleepy, bleep and a half. <laughs> and then I got Windows 10, <laughs> and then Windows 10, for the most part, has been fairly good, except for the four times that my computer <laughs> has gone to... Ah, I'm getting angry. I, I need to take a breath. <sighs> oh. I feel your pain because uh, <laughs> I seriously go through the same thing and it's not fun. Yeah. Especially while recording. It's like in the middle. Boop, oh, you I need know. an update. You're like, no. <laughs> I just don't like the fact that you can't turn them off. I they, yeah. they The fact that you just tell them to not do it for 30 days versus just shutting it off completely is one of the most insane decisions that Microsoft has ever done. And if somebody from Microsoft is listening, stop it. You stop it right now. <laughs> Please. Bad Microsoft. Seriously. Bad. <laughs> I'm going to grab a newspaper and be like, you see what you did? You see what you did? Bad Microsoft. Just rub their oh, Microsoft's no, no. nose in it. Yeah. No newspaper. You bring out the chancla oh, and geez. you threaten it. <laughs> okay, wait. You got to tell me what that is. <laughs> um, okay, so it's pretty much a sandal remember in coco where uh um, uh-huh. where the grandma was uh going after miguel and at mm-hmm. the plaza there was the mariachi guy and yeah. she got mad because she thought the mariachi guy was gonna have miguel sing mm-hmm. and so she brought out her chunk that was her shoe and she threatened him with it and he was like whoa okay i'm backing off because that <laughs> you know growing up uh-uh, yeah. that was real you nice. gotta stop. <laughs> Growing up in the Mexican culture, if you heard I'm grabbing the chancla, you knew yep. it was going down. Uh-huh. So it's a Mexican paddle. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> but when those Mexican paddles were I believe uh, in America they're called horachis, according to the Beach Boys. <laughs> they're horachis handles. Um, <laughs> in, in Spanish, huaraches. <laughs> Uh, are basically chanclas they're you know they're sandals but they're made Mm. from leather and leather products so if you were to get hit as a child with one (laughs) of those it's gonna sting quite a bit (laughs) so you would think twice about doing things (laughs) if the threat of the chancla ever appeared got it and uh yeah look i don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before and if i have please forgive me but in my semi-stupor uh, have we ever talked about how when I first saw Coco at the theater, I remember her saying, now go get my chancla. But then by the time it was released on Blu-ray, she says, now go get my shoe. Uh, she always so. said, go get my shoe. Are you sure? 
I think you just saw it and you translated it in your mind to the word you wanted it to be. Oh my god, are you telling me I think in Spanish? I think you do sometimes, (laughs) yes. In very particular instances, yes. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Well, I don't believe it was ever that way in in the theater. Now, when they released it in Mexico, it probably was. Was it that you translated it to show? I wouldn't have known how to translate it. That's true. Mm, But the visual would have helped. I mean, I guess I could have, yeah, put it together via contextual clues. I don't know. I I think she always said shoe. I feel like this is one of those Mandela effect things where we may have seen and heard one thing, but it was technically something else. You guys know about the Mandela effect? Uh-uh. I don't think so. Oh, man. I think I've heard of it. I, I want to say that we've talked about it like once before or we've referenced it. <clears throat> Sorry. But the Mandela effect is essentially a false memory. It's like this mm-hmm. psychological phenomenon that happens where people recall that something did or didn't happen a specific way. And that that's kind of what I feel this whole chunkla versus shoe thing is to me. It's <laughs> like this weird Mandela effect. Got it. I mean, it, look, if anybody saw it at the movie theater and you guys remember that it was chunkla versus shoe, please vouch for it and tell me that I'm not. <laughs> completely crazy but <laughs> if it's always been shoe i mean i mean to be fair you saw it in southern california i saw it in oklahoma so in the southern california version it might have said chunkla but maybe in the oklahoma version it definitely did not it said shoe mm. <laughs> so i'm hoping i didn't see the oklahoma version <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, since we're on the topic, what do you guys think of this news that Lee Unkrich has decided to leave Pixar after a couple decades? Yeah, it's interesting that uh, so many now are leaving Pixar, it seems like. You know, we talked about Catmull in a previous episode, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, Lasseter was uh, removed from his position at Pixar, but it seems like all of the old guard is kind of on its way out and you know they've been there for decades so maybe it's just that it's that time in their careers when they think about moving on yeah but i kind of feel like things are changing at pixar and some of these people are like eh, well if that's the direction pixar is going maybe i'm out you know i just i don't know because they're all passionate people it's hard to believe that they're done at this point because right. none of them like unkrich is not that old you know, and yeah. especially in the realm of animation where people are going like, look at Miyazaki and look at like some of the nine old men that were animating. So well, after they got that Denny's special. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Practically. Yeah. I was reading the article and I like what it said about it. Um, he's actually leaving on a high note, on a good note to do some things with his family, do some side stuff. So, to me, it kind of sounds like he's retiring, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, with his success with Coco, the only thing I'm going to miss is him on Twitter where he, you know, anything that had to do with Coco, he would post about. He was like, that was his baby and nice. his pride yeah. and joy. So in the article, I remember him saying, you know, it's 
like not a bad thing leaving with all this success, all these accomplishments, especially with this last movie of his. So he's just like, hey, I'm good. I'm going to go live life with my family. Yeah. You know, kudos to him. Yeah. I, Ed Catmull, I feel, is a, is a bit of a different story because when you look back on Ed Catmull's career, you know, like you said, Gavin, he's been in the game for so long. You know, he was vice president of Industrial Light and Magic back in the 70s. You know, before they started shifting that production team over to Pixar, before Steve Jobs bought him out and all that, you know, as the story goes. I mean, he's had a long career and a lot of the technical know-how and a lot of the advancements that happened in RenderMan were because of Ed Catmull. You know, we briefly Mm -hmm. mentioned this when we first announced that he was going to be retiring at the end of last year. But Lee is, you know, he's a very, very talented director. And he's been at Pixar for so long for so many blockbuster films. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, saying little, right? Because every film that Pixar has put out has essentially been a blockbuster, with the exception of, of course, too. With that said... <laughs> <laughs> I got that jab. You, did you? Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, like you said, Melissa, it was nice to hear him saying that he was leaving on a high note. Mm -hmm. For all we know, this could be a preemptive thing because maybe he doesn't like how some of the things are changing there as they continue to merge the animation studios. uh, Because it, it is moving into a culture where they're blurring the line more and more between Disney animation and Pixar. And as the teams begin to kind of work with each other, I think we're going to get to a point where it's just all kind of going to be Disney animation, you know? And I'm hoping that some of the people that remain at Pixar keep the legacy and keep the essence of what's always made Pixar film so special because there's always that additional element to them that just like like we talk about it just kind of kicks you in the feels super hard. And mm-hmm. although Disney animation does the same thing, it doesn't reach that level of intensity that a Pixar film can get you to. You know, and that's what I really hope isn't lost. And but uh I they're in capable hands. I mean, you know, with people like with the people that are still running Pixar, I mean Pete Doctor's still there and a lot mm-hmm. of the other people uh, that help build the company to what it is are going to continue there as far as we know. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to him for everything that he's accomplished. Thank you for all of the work that he's done and brought us all the joy that he will continue to bring children and their children's children as we pass on these films for generations to come. Yeah. I find it interesting, though, that... I mean, not everybody that retires or leaves an institution decides to provide some sort of press release or article interview or something that explains, you know, why. Yeah. And it so I do kind of have suspicions about there being some spin involved in this, you know, because there's so much politics involved in the entertainment industry. Unfortunately, it's it's kind of the the bad side of this. And so, you know, considering the fact that Lassiter's gone and Catmull's gone and, you know, this 
is another person leaving? I don't know. I, I guess I take it all with a grain of salt. I hope that, you know, he's, you know, as happy as can be and felt like he had a successful time at Pixar. And I hope he's happy in all of his future endeavors because he's given me personally some fantastic films that I will always cherish, namely Coco. And I, you know, it's all good. I just, when I see something like this, it's like, well, I mean, you could have just like silently retired yeah. and nobody, I mean, people that are like super nerds about Pixar or people inside the industry would be like, oh, wow, Lee Unkrich retired. Yeah. 99% of the population has no idea who this guy even is. So making an announcement about it just seems a little weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned that it could have just been a preemptive strike, you know, against what could have potentially been happening. And that's because of all the things that are happening with John Lasseter, he didn't want to get himself involved in the same kind of bundle of news where maybe he was planning this for months already or for a couple of years and he reached the end of all the projects he was officially working on. This was it, but the press release was necessary so that people didn't think, Oh, he's leaving because something happened, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe it was a preemptive strike. We don't know. I don't know the inner workings of Pixar, but like I said, or we've all echoed the same sentiment that he's brought us hours of joy and, all the stuff that he's directed and helped produce is going to continue bringing joy to people for generations to come. So right. we have that to live with and that's awesome. Yep. You know, the, <laughs> the art that was produced uh, is something that we can cherish. Yeah. I, I also want to throw in there that I, I hope Pixar and Disney animation don't meld into one. I think that competition, whether it be friendly or not is good and uh, uh, I still feel like they're two very distinct entities. I don't feel like they... I, I feel like I can identify a Disney from a Pixar within seconds, you know? I just I still feel like they're really distinct entities. So I hope they don't end up being one big melting pot of animation because, first of all, I feel like we'll get less films that way, but also... I like that they kind of try to push each other and one up each other, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. I think it's important. That's a very good point. All right. Well, since we're talking about studios, I just need to, to acknowledge the fact that we finally got a Spider-Man far from home trailer. And (laughs) yeah. Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) Really? I loved it. So we, there was a lot of stuff that I think people had already kind of released and there was all these spoilers about what was going to uh, be a part of the trailer. I think seeing it all together is really what I was excited about because I was such a huge fan of Homecoming and I was an even bigger fan of Into the Spider-Verse. So I'm excited to see what this next chapter brings for Spider-Man and For me, that's great because I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. I know a lot of people out there, Spider-Man's like your your dude, right? But uh, I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. The biggest thing that I was excited about listening or watching this trailer, uh, believe it or not, was listening to the score in the trailer. I totally believe it. Mm -hmm. You're a scores guy. Yeah, dude. 
this <laughs> i mean i love the score for spider-man it was very distinct and it fit him so well like the soundtrack to homecoming is just so well put together the difference between this one and the the last one is that the the orchestral arrangement that they had for the spider-man theme this time around sounded like an avengers theme to me and it finally sounded like he was really like this entire piece of the mcu that was missing and i know to most people that just it just kind of felt like that with homecoming and because he appeared in civil war people already felt like well he's already a part of the mcu uh but it felt like a fork into the mcu right because it's still a sony property and because they're doing their own thing this trailer uh really put me in a mindset of wow spider-man is really a part of this larger mcu now and that music was just epic to me i just i can't wait to hear the entire <laughs> score and the entire soundtrack i'm so jazzed about it uh i i we all know where I stand with superhero <laughs> movies. I'm and we not going to rehash it. And we, we know where you stand with trailers specifically but, as yeah. well. But what I will say is, for me, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse gave me what I always want from superhero movies. So that's kind of the bar I'm looking for. And honestly, I don't know how many more superhero movies I'll watch that aren't animated. I just I don't believe they can live up to that i really don't so then why I thought that was the perfect way to present superheroes so then why did you volunteer to watch every one and write a review for the website <laughs> that did not happen <laughs> it was one of your delusional sick dreams oh, was it oh man yes. i've been having a lot of those recently <laughs> Uh, I mean, I could, but you don't want me to. <laughs> you really don't. That's funny. Yeah, Melissa, did you get a chance to see the trailer? I did. And you know what? I'm a little afraid to admit I haven't seen Homecoming. I, I'll, but... I'll tell you the truth. If you watch Into the Spider-Verse mm -hmm. first, I would not be offended. Because <laughs> that one was far superior. But the trailer does look really, really good. And especially how you mentioned the movie, the the score it, it is different it's it's um it's stronger yeah that that's the way to the the best way to describe it it is much stronger so yeah it sounds like it's it's up there i'm gonna say it right now i'm probably gonna watch it late but i will watch it <laughs> nice can we just hear a little piece of what i'm talking about so you understand yeah please <laughs> all right let me see if i can get this Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! We got gifts, Parker, but we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. Your friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this.
The build. It's just so good. <laughs> it's just so good. Like it's so strong and just so superhero-y and ooh, there's there's I like that it is based on the old TV show theme song. Me too. That's mm-hmm. really cool that they did Me it that too. way. And can I just say, uh, go happy. <laughs> I'm happy for you, buddy. <laughs> so wait, uh, I did watch it, the trailer that is, uh, a week ago, and I've basically forgotten it. But so the thing in this one is that he's, is he in London? He goes to a different country, right? Yeah, he's traveling with school. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The idea behind it is that he wants to leave Spider-Man behind. He just wants to be a teenager. He tries to leave his suit behind, and Aunt May packs the suit because you just you never know when you might need it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he gets to I think it's London when it happens. Stuff starts to go wrong, and all these things start appearing. And uh, Nick Fury pays him a visit. And so mm-hmm. he flips out because he knows who Nick Fury is. And he tells him, you know, get some clothes. You're coming with me. And he's essentially on a Spider-Man mission now. Nice. So he's halfway across the globe uh, on these Spider-Man missions. It's It it looks really good, too, because it looks like we're going to see variations of the Spider-Man suit where he's, like, in stealth mode and just other variations that... Uh, I'm sure we'll continue to have the Iron Man tech behind it because Happy's there, which means that Happy must be providing new technology for Peter, uh, which uh, I'm excited about because I just love what they did with the Spider-Man suit. I know that there's people out there that hate that part of it because they wanted to keep it as pure as possible. But I think the way that it weaved into the current MCU was really well done, at least in my opinion. And I really enjoy that part of, of the spider suit. When does this movie come out? When does it come out? It comes out. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I tried to type in Spider-Man release into my phone and I got spied Dr. Foreman rel AE. Well, I do want to ask about that, too, but <laughs> when does Spider-Man Far From Home come out? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, it looks like it's being released July 5th, 2019. Oh, man. And I okay, should have known so that because... we got a long road of hype left. Yeah. We kind of spoke about this. Yeah. When Skylar was on, we talked about yeah. the release dates for everything. Yeah, we did. I just couldn't remember. So that's after Endgame, right? Yes. Yes. It's, okay. it's supposed to pick up right after Endgame. And gotcha. that's part of why people are so upset because they're saying, well, you basically just told us Spider-Man lives. You know, and oh you gosh. just told people us that Nick so Fury lives. obsessed with spoilers. We don't know like, how it happens. That's the best ugh. part. We don't. We're going to learn. We don't. Yeah. But people are upset but because what now they, they know. What they want less is for studios to never tell us what's coming out. Right. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, don't tell us what's coming out then. No, they would die without that information. And if they didn't want to spoil it, at least if they wanted to start teasing the next one after the release of this one, you know, this type of promotion starts a good six to nine months before, sometimes a year with minimal teaser trailers, if any. In order for 
things not to get spoiled, you'd essentially have to release movies a couple years between each other. And considering that Spider-Man and Endgame are happening so close together, you can't really prevent it. Especially if you want to market both of them. The only thing that I, I think that, feel... I think that's the industry making their own timetables up. Because, I mean, I don't feel like you have to market something six months out for it to be successful. You don't think so? Especially in a, in a series like this, in a franchise like this, where, let's say, the first teaser for Spider-Man Far From Home, whatever it's called, happens in the end credits of Endgame. And that's the first time anybody sees it. And then it says, in two months. People would lose their ever-loving minds, right? That's true. That would be the best way to just blow this up and not have spoilers and you know, not have to invest in months and months of trailer making, right? Very true. Like just, they could save money and get better hype if they would just do it that way. Hmm. I hope you guys are listening. (laughs) You're welcome, Marvel. How many people would walk out with heart attacks? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing you could think of. That's the best day till the end ever. (laughs) Right? You're right. That would be a really great way to market it. So when we yeah. when we make our movie, that's how we're gonna market the second one. We're just gonna yeah. wait to the end, after the closing yeah. credits, and then we'll pose the yeah. trailer and the teaser for the next film after. Mm-hmm. Sweet, yep. I love it. I love that idea. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys haven't had a chance to see the trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Head on over to the blog post at pocketeers.com slash 240. You guys will have a chance to watch it there. If you guys have any thoughts about how you feel watching this trailer, because, I mean, I lost it mainly because of the music, but then I saw the different spider suits because I'm not – look, I've seen it like 19 times, okay? I know that (laughs) may be excessive for most, but I had to because then I have to catch every single little thing that's in the trailer or else I don't know what's happening. So if you guys want to take a look, head over to the blog post, check it out, tell us how you guys feel about it, and we will talk about it in an upcoming episode. Uh, Hey, Gavin. Yes, sir. How is uh, your Audible experience going? Oh, my gosh. It's going so well. I am enjoying every minute of it. I am still listening to the um, biography of Walt Disney by Gabler because it's epic. I think the total runtime is like 38 hours or something like that. So uh, it's a lot of commutes, but that's good because that's what I got it for is to help me pass the time during my commuting. Nice. And that to me is the best time to listen to audible is you know you're cruising down the road you got an hour drive pop that in listen to a chapter it just makes them make the miles go by so much quicker especially when you're going 10 miles an hour on the five Uh it's just yeah you know it yeah passes the time a lot better you have to do something with those other four days of commutes after you're done with the one hour of podcateers during one of those commutes right exactly exactly yeah Yeah. wednesday mornings you know everybody out there we know is listening to podcateers you look to the car to the right to the car to the left they're all cracking up listening to podcateers but on you know the other days of the week yeah you need a book so audible audible is the way to go (laughs) and do we happen to have maybe a special deal for people that sign up for audible you better believe it buddy if you go to audibletrial.com slash podcateers 
or if you just go to the Podcasters website, there's a link there as well. Uh, you can get a free trial for 30 days, and you get to pick a book, and you get to keep that book forever, no matter what happens after the 30 days. And you can cancel after 30 days. But I predict you're going to fall in love, and you will want to subscribe for the small monthly fee, and keep on rolling down the road with amazing books. I concur. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been a part of it for so long. I, I don't know if you've seen this, Gavin, when you log into the app, but they just started uh, including 21 days of meditation and they started including Ooh. like how to sleep better. All these wellness audible mm-hmm. listens that you can download for free. They have some workouts that you can listen to that only take a couple minutes a day. So if you're into walking, maybe during your lunch break or uh, you have like a 15 minute break at work, these little spurts of workout knowledge or meditation will totally help you get through your day, especially if you have one of those jobs where you're just crunching numbers or working on the spreadsheets and all the TPS reports that you need to have on somebody's desk by Monday. I mean, you never know. And if you have that type (laughs) of job, maybe you need something like this. So Audible is the way to go. So yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying the book, man. I'm glad you finally cool. signed up, and I'm glad you're you're on board with it because I love it. Yeah, I've always been a super fan of Audible, and any time that I can help spread the word, I will do it because it's gotten me yeah. through many a commutes over the last two decades. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, in case you guys haven't had a chance to listen, or you guys are new to the podcast. We kicked off a cool new format that is going to allow us to give you a tour of the parks. Every month, we're going to concentrate on a new land. We're going to give you uh, some information about a specific attraction, a specific part of the land, general information about the people that built it. And then at the end of the month, we're going to have an armchair imagineering session where we're going to concentrate on you know, uh, something that we would like to change or replacing an attraction or what we think would make something better. We love those types of episodes. We've had a lot of feedback from all of you listening that that's the type of stuff you guys want to listen to. And that helps us because it helps us create the content that you guys want to hear. So thank you to everybody that gives us that type of feedback. If there's anything that you guys want to hear about or want us to talk about, send us a message. You can either leave a comment in the blog post for the episode over at podcasters.com slash 240 you can also hit us up on any of the social networks we're on facebook instagram and on twitter just search for podcasters all these episodes also end up on youtube so if your listening app of choice happens to be youtube because you have one of those cell phone plans that gives you youtube premium for free and that's how you can stream forever then youtube is where you should subscribe to us make sure to hit that subscribe button button and ring that little bell icon for notifications whenever we post brand new videos otherwise you can get us in apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher Dogcatcher, all those cool podcast apps podcasters.com you'll see all the subscription links there as well uh so this week we're going to be concentrating on the history of one of the most iconic attractions in Tomorrowland, and that is Space Mountain. Yes. Uh-huh. Melissa, <laughs> break us off some of that knowledge on Space Mountain. <laughs> sure. All right, space travelers, are you ready for those sharp turns and sudden drops? 
Before we embark on this story time, pull down on that lap bar in front of you, and it's time <laughs> for your intergalactic space adventure. Nice. I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start playing the theremin? <gasps> that would be awesome. <laughs> 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 All right. So Space Mountain made its debut on May 27, 1977. This thrilling dark coaster actually had two reopenings, with the second one on July 15, 2005. We'll get back to that. For now, we're going to go to 1959. With Disneyland open and the success of Matterhorn, Walt wanted a new high-speed adventure, but this time in the dark. He is convinced that Disneyland can have thrill rides and takes the first step with approaching John Hench to help create and design the concept art for this thrilling new dark coaster. The first time that Space Mountain is actually mentioned or used is in June of 1966, which is two years after the concept art is born. Unfortunately, Walt Disney did not get to see the concept become a reality due to his death in December of 66. Aw. I know. Do you remember when we got to see John Hench's sketch of Space Mountain at the That's from Disneyland gallery exhibit? I've never seen you lose it like that. That was one of my favorite things that was there. It was so cool. You were drooling. (laughs) It's no secret I'm obsessed with the architecture of that building, but Mm -hmm. John Hench's amazing drawing was so cool, and it was cool to see it in person, too. Yeah, definitely. If you guys haven't had a chance to see that video, it was in the vlog that we posted. It was the exhibit where there were some collectors that were selling everything that they had collected uh, from Disneyland, including original sketches and posters. The video will be in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 240, if you guys want to check that out. Melissa, Gavin, and I had headed down to Sherman Oaks where this was being held. It was being put on by Van Eaton Galleries, and it didn't make it into the vlog, like, you just, you were so nonchalant about, and this is John Hench's drawing. <laughs> but before that, I mean, yeah. he looked like a kid in a candy store. Like, if you, yeah. uh, for you Simpson fans, if you guys know when Homer's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, that's what Gavin was doing <laughs> that day. It was great. Was I loved it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. The attraction took more than a decade to become a reality. Imagineers face challenges as they do naturally when you're creating something that's truly unique in a smaller setting. Besides height restrictions on the structure, Walt Disney Imagineering actually had to figure out the technology and relied on Moore's Law. Moore's Law stems back from 1965 with sensors on the track and a system that feeds back data to the main computers and in due time becomes more efficient. Talk about futuristic, right? My mind was actually blown. I learned about that. That's awesome. (laughs) The track was designed by Imagineer Bill Watkins, including a tubular steel track design that was awarded a U.S. patent. Nice. So when Space Mountain opened, it actually opened as a $20 million complex with a space stage that sat over 1,000 and a space place restaurant that sat over 600. Among the many attending opening day were a few of the original Mercury uh, astronauts, Scott Carpenter, Gordon Cooper, John Glenn, Wally Shera, Alan Shepard, and Dickie Slayton. Due to its debut set on Memorial Day weekend, attendance was about over 185,000 guests, 
over the three-day period. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant on the same day. I was like, wait a second. So <laughs> Galaxy's Edge opened that far back? <laughs> I, right? At first I did that. I'm like, whoa, when I first read that. It's still a lot for the mid-70s. Yeah. A heck of a lot. Exactly. And yeah. I did the math, and I'm like, that's roughly about 61000 per day mm-hmm. for a park wow. that didn't have as many attractions. Right. Crazy, right? I, so Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so with every Disney attraction comes a memorable soundtrack that takes your experience to a whole new level. However, this wasn't the case for Space Mountain. It was after 19 years when the first soundtrack was created in 1996. Really? Uh-huh. So there, it wow. just was uh, an attraction without music? Not music, but like you, I guess you would say... You Sound would effects? hear like effects, oh. but it didn't have the actual complete like storyline per se. Oh, I just learned okay. something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. So for the soundtrack, composer Aaron Richard and show director Eddie Soto teamed up and actually created it. It was a mix of sci-fi horror and surf music with Dick Dale's fun guitar riffs and based on 1886 French composer Camille Sanson's Le Carnival des Animaux, and I'm sorry if I did not pronounce that correctly. <laughs> well, it totally sounded right to me. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> now, the cool thing about this is that you could hear the French composition in the beginning of the scene for the animated film Beauty and the Beast. But if you had a PS1 back in the day, you may <laughs> have heard the Dick Dale's version in Walt Disney World's Magical Racing Tour. (laughs) (laughs) So while you're racing in Space Mountain level, you would hear that soundtrack. No! What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to go back and I got to try to find that now. It's on YouTube. We're through the looking glass now. This is getting crazy. (laughs) (laughs) The current soundtrack we hear today is actually by Michael Giacchino, and it was replaced in 2005 with the second reopening. You may be familiar with his work from Up, Ratatouille, The Incredibles, and Coco. I mean, you could totally hear that, right? It's got a very Incredibles vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. It totally does. Nice. Now, did you know that Space Mountain at Disneyland is actually the second in the Disney Parks family? Magic Kingdom's own Space Mountain made its debut two years prior to Disneyland's own in 1975. Mm. Flash forward to today, where there's a version of this attraction in five Disney parks. That's pretty cool. But let's go Mm -hmm. back to Disneyland. Space Mountain had many variations in the past few decades it's been around. At one time, Space Mountain had the Goodyear speed ramp that was literally a moving sidewalk that no one really knew. There wasn't a fanfare. Inside the queue, you had openings where you could hear and the rockets fly by. That part always got me excited as a kid because you would both hear the rockets and the screamers come and go. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. That was That's really, awesome. really neat. Yeah. In 1997, the exterior of Space Mountain was repainted in the lovely green, gold, and bronze trio to match the new Tomorrowland. Ah, uh, yes. Yikes. Bad move. Mm-hmm. I know. I remember that, too. I was like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, it didn't live for that long because, of course, of the renovations that happened after. Right. And it was horrible. <laughs> 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 so 
In preparation for the renovations, the exterior was repainted to original white appearance and the track was rebuilt the same way that Bill Watkins had designed it in 1976. There's actually a track from the original 1977 attraction that still lives on in Space Mountain today. In the back end of the station, top of the third lift, and the storage and spur tracks. Huh. There's also a new storyline, new soundtrack, new rockets with the reopening of Space Mountain. And with that reopening held a ceremony on July 2005 with guest speaker Neil Armstrong, who also received a plaque that read, presented to Neil Armstrong for his courage and adventurous spirit that continues to inspire all mankind to reach for the stars. And on the plaque was one of Walt's in inspiring quotes. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Now, if we're keeping track, that's seven astronauts who have been to Space Mountain's own ceremonies <laughs> at Disneyland. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that pretty much means it's legit. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think oh, when yeah. the first one showed up, it was legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Space Mountain has had many overlays and changes throughout the decades from Rockin' Space Mountain, Ghost Galaxy, and Hyperspace Mountain. Rockin' Space Mountain made its debut in 2006, Grand Night, as Rocket Space Mountain. This was Space Mountain's very first overlay to help promote the Year of a Million Dreams during Disneyland's 50th. The original plan was to have a calmer soundtrack in the daytime and by the evening have an edgier soundtrack. Unfortunately, those plans fell through immediately, and it continued to operate as Rockin' Space Mountain during all operating hours. Its soundtrack was of Aerosmith's own 1989 Higher Ground. Nice. It was mixed in a way where the attraction experience was heightened at every turn, rise or drop. It starts with Joe Benson, a radio DJ from KLOS, introducing the riders to Space Stage, where the Red Hot Chili Peppers would be broadcasting live. In the Star <laughs> Tunnel, there was a sound check with guitar riffs and fanfare. Going up the second lift, there was sound waves that you could see. You know, that was really, really cool. Wow. And then you would see the sun going up as a nova, and then it just explode. So you're just huh. like, what is going on? This is neat. Nice. Now, I never got to see that version. That's really cool. It, oh, it was really, really neat. Especially the music, the way that they did it was just mm -hmm. perfectly timed. Nice. So as you're going through this, you're passing multiple parts of the tract with bright lights. Like kind of, you would say they're like super bright lights, not strobe lights, but they're super bright. And it looked like to simulate like a rock show. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you would be passing, and then you would see these lights happening and whatnot. I mean, it was really, really cool. Hmm. All right, so the second overlay is actually Ghost Galaxy. But it's really interesting how this came to be. In October 2007, there was a failed attempt at this second overlay. It was supposed to be Space Mountain Nightmare Nebula. Hmm. Ghost Galaxy actually made its debut in Hong Kong Disneyland. And due to its success... In that same year, it was eventually brought to Disneyland in 2009. Wow. Nice. So it was that horrible there and they still decided to bring it here? <laughs> 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 
It must have been better than what they what they actually yeah, did. Imagine what Nightmare Nebula was. It, it, right. In case you guys don't know, I've been very vocal about how <laughs> Ghost Galaxy is possibly my least favorite overlay in Space Mountain. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. Uh, we don't need anything. Yeah, we don't though. need it. Space Mountain's awesome. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Can we just leave it alone? <laughs> So in this overlay, this is the first time Space Mountain gets new projections on an exterior, six variations of the ghost bringing a frightening show. From an arm reaching out from the inside, a crumbling structure, a big scratch on the building itself, a grid, which I might add is my favorite projection because that's the closest thing to Tron. (laughs) True. (laughs) It is. And then there's also a radar scene with heat detection. So you would kind of see the ghost inside like, okay, there's a presence going on. You can see it from the outside, which is really cool. And there is one other projection that I don't think I've seen. And it's swirling stars with a nebula on there. I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Oh, you have? Yeah. Yeah. I have not. Apparently, I blink. I don't think they did those this year, though. They 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 no? had the sound effects, but they did not have the visual projections. They just had some colored lights, is all. Oh, that breaks yeah, my heart. I was disappointed, but those those are really cool. I liked the projections. Yeah, I for me, I think those are like a highlight because you. I mean, for those who can't write it, they could at least watch that. Yeah. Or when you're standing in the epically long queue, you're <laughs> missed yeah, out on fast true. passes. You could yeah. play Pokemon. <laughs> Oh, it always comes back to Pokemon Go. There we go, right? (laughs) So inside the queue, there was no lights in some of the areas. Little blue windows of death with the screens that say either signal loss, searching, or signal established to kind of give that ghost feeling like it's taking over, not possessed, Mm -hmm. but it's taking over it. While riding the attraction, you're greeted with this dark star tunnel with airy noise and a great way to set the mood for what's to come. Upon the second lift, you meet the ghost that's taking over the mountain. It screams, it sends electricity over you before you reach the very top. As you travel through space with the ghost, you hear it traveling alongside you, and you see it coming at you at every turn and drop. There's a startling surprise at the end that always gets to me no matter how many times I've experienced (laughs) this attraction, and I know it's coming, it just happens. So a little fun tidbit about this is that cast members have a little tradition of naming new characters on the attraction. The ghost was named Dolores. Oh, I had hmm. no idea. No? <laughs> no. Really? That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Why Dolores? Her, Do you know? It was just the name just that the name. they huh. stuck to. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't know that. That's cool. I didn't know it was a girl. I didn't know either until <laughs> I heard that that time while working there i'm like oh this is cool i'm like to be here and then or working at the time and then hearing this dang this is pretty neat you know by the way i'm also surprised by that last thing in there i'm always surprised when the cameras Mm -hmm. go off so you're Uh right it is a surprise (laughs) (laughs) no that's what disorients you for the real surprise right so the third and the third and the most recent overlay debuted on November 14, 2015, as part of Season of the Force celebrating Star Wars of Force Awakens. 
It features a few of John Williams' scores from the Star Wars film. As you start your journey, you're greeted with the famous fanfare we all know and love in the beginning of every Star Wars film. A very strong start to set you to a galaxy far, far away. You also hear the X-Wing pilots as they communicate with one another before investigating the Star Destroyer, led by Admiral Akbar. Before you know it, you're jumping through light speed and you're in the middle of a battle between the X-Wing pilots and the TIE fighters just going at it. There are many more stars than before with lasers and sound effects that bring this overlay into a whole new immersive level. This overlay was definitely a hit as you often heard returning writers applauding as they returned back from safety from the battle. Hyperspace Mountain was temporarily removed on September 6, 2016, first Ghost Galaxy, of course, only to be brought back November 2016 of that year. Now, there's going to be a couple more dates, so bear with me. <laughs> on June 1st, 2017, Hyperspace Mountain was removed again, only to come back the next following year on May 4th, for the Star Wars night events. Mm -hmm. And it had its short run until June 3rd, 2018. By far, this is my favorite overlay. And yes, I love Ghost Galaxy, but this one was like perfect. My yeah, two. it was a great overlay. I, I think it probably would be my favorite overlay if I mm -hmm. believed it still existed, but I don't believe it still exists. I don't think we'll ever see it again. They, are you challenging Disney to change Space Mountain? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I just, I think we've seen the last of Hyperspace Mountain because uh, Galaxy's Edge is around the corner and I don't think they're going to detract any attention away from it with Star Wars elsewhere. I mean... And I think that's why, sadly, Star Tours days are numbered as well. But depending on what the crowd levels are, it, there is a possibility of them bringing it back temporarily just to defer people so that the lines yeah. aren't so insane. They could do the Captain Phasma march and everything. So, mm -hmm. I mean, look, here's hoping. That, I mean, I'd be all for it. That'd be cool because I, I liked the Hyperspace Mountain overlay a lot. I thought it added a lot of energy to the attractions. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, bring it back. I just, for whatever reason, I don't feel like they're going to. I yeah. just I don't know. For me, I just feel like they're, they're really going to want to focus all of the Star Wars attention on the land right and That's true. you know they may incorporate star wars in a parade or you know something that celebrates it down the center of the park but as far as that overlay goes i i don't know i just i don't think so i think it muddies the story too much you know and now they've got a really clear pointed focused story that they're trying to tell with star wars yeah that they never had before right and I think that bringing Hyperspace Mountain it just kind of confuses that story. Mm. So That's true. I, I don't, you know, unless they decide to treat Tomorrowland as like retro Star Wars, like 70s Star Wars, where we can go on Star Tours and Space Mountain as Hyperspace Mountain, and it's like old school Star Wars, and this is like new school Star Wars and Galaxy's Edge, then maybe, but even then, that's hard to like say that in like a promotion you know yeah. or like really yeah. make sense of that so i just i don't think we'll see it again sadly because i'd like to see it again me too <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i went on it a bunch yeah so one final thing 
we haven't spoken about or I haven't spoken about is hidden Mickeys. <gasps> what? What? <laughs> I didn't know there were any in Space Mountain. For reals? Yeah. I thought I, I knew of I've one. Never, but I've, it... I've never really studied the, the hidden Mickey thing, but I didn't know of any there. From what I understand, there's three. Okay. But um, the first one is an actual obvious. I don't know if you would call it a hidden Mickey, but it is the speakers in the rocket. Yeah. That oh, form I have Mickey. noticed that. I have noticed that, yeah. The second one, I haven't seen myself. So I'm going to look for it after I saw this and I researched. I'm like, oh. So in the main uh, center console, there's a hidden Mickey on that too. Which center console? Um, on the loading dock. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's... That the cast member uses? Yes. Oh. So I have to pay attention to that. Okay. The third one is actually really difficult if you don't catch it because you're riding Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. And there's like a split second where you have to look up to your high, I would say, upper right and there's these three asteroids that come together real briefly that form Mickey and then disappear. Mm. <laughs> so that one was like That's awesome. That one's a really cool one. You but your eyes have to be really adjusted in order to find it. Very cool. Yeah. Those nice. I mean, those are the only three I've found so far. I mean, if there's more, let us know. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Cool. I wanted to ask you both. Do you guys remember the giant cookie? The giant cookie. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I've come across a couple of giant cookies in my day, but what are you talking about? I, I can eat several of those in one sitting. <laughs> I I call it the giant cookie, but it was the giant uh, comet that was in the beginning of the attraction. Um, oh. And it's still there. I don't remember. Like once you get past the, the second lift, like once you get like into the ride or where is it? I want to say it's right before you're counting down. Oh, okay. okay. And you have to turn to your left. Oh, yeah. You're usually focused to the front or right wherever they're projecting something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so there's like a cookie-looking planet or asteroid or something it, there? <laughs> it For me, it looks like a giant <laughs> Chips Ahoy cookie. <laughs> so I've always called it a giant cookie, but it's like so big. That's hilarious. But yeah, I remember this from... The nineties, the late nineties. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing wow. it's the type of thing that Cookie Monster sings about. Oh right. yes. If Moon were cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I well, I'm I'm totally itching to go on Space Mountain now. I am <laughs> super pumped. So I kinda wanna piggyback a little bit here. I, mm-hmm. I have a couple of trivia questions for you guys that i came up with because i've i've had space mountain on the brain as we came to this episode so i want to test you guys and see if you can um answer these questions one of them is they're kind of they're kind of (laughs) general questions that in which space mountain is included so they're not directly about space mountain tomorrowland so melissa already hit on the theme of the first question Uh, So, as we know, Space Mountain was first created at Disney World and then created at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Now, of the excluding railroads, uh, of the 19 attractions that Disneyland shares with other parks around the world, how many of them were built at other parks before they were built at Disneyland? And can you name them? 
So you're talking about whatever opened somewhere else first and then Disneyland. Yes. Gotcha. Can you name all the attractions that opened at other parks? So I'm going to go with Tower of Terror. And opened at the Disneyland. Yep, that's one of them. Tower of Terror opened up at Walt Disney World at Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios before it opened up at California Adventure. True. That's correct. Uh, Tower of Terror opened in 1994 in Disney World and 2004 at California Adventure. So good job. That's one. Are you going to count It's a Small World for launching at the World's Fair before it launched at Disneyland? Nope, I'm only counting things at other Disney parks first. Ah, lame, dude. (laughs) I should get extra credit for that one. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you don't know that one, uh, it's an obvious one. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, All right. Can I say Mickey and Minnie's? uh, I'm not counting that because none of them exist yet. Hmm. But it will. <laughs> it will. That, it'll apply if we ever do this trivia question again. Okay, so you have Space Mountain. You have Tower of Terror. Do you want a clue? Yes. Yes. Okay. The next one on my list no longer exists at Disneyland. Yeah, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> You could hear both of us trying to think this one out. Dude, why are you doing this to me when I feel like this? <laughs> um, it's no longer open. Oh, the Carousel of Progress. Nope. Wait, That one what? just moved. No, that one moved. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, think of the far western edge of the park. Oh, uh, wait. Uh, Country Bears. That's correct. That's the third one. There's one more. Wait, that opened at Disney World first? Yep. It, it was an opening attraction at Disney World in 1971, and it came to Disneyland in 72. I didn't know this I either. I thought it was yep. backwards. Nope. Me too. Nope. All right, there's one more, and it's – I'll give you a huge clue here. It's a Pixar-themed attraction. Luigi's uh, thingy, Casa de la Fritos. Uh, it's in the land that is our current series gummy glen no (laughs) astro blasters are we talking about this there you go astro blasters (laughs) there you go back to gummy glen Okay. Man, that was a workout. Wow. That took you guys that took you guys a while. My but brain hurts. There's one more question. So False. There is one attraction in all of the Disney universe that is in all six world Haunted resorts. Mansions. All six world resorts. I kidding. And it's one of those four you just named. Which one is it? I'll give you one guess each. I'm going to go with Buzz Lightyear. There's only one that is in every single resort. I'm going to go with Buzz. Okay, Hayden's going Buzz. Why do I want to say Tower, though? All right, you say say Buzz, I say Tower. Final answer? Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Kieran, dim the lights. (laughs) All right. The answer is Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Nice. Yeah, because the one in Tokyo is the one being converted to the Ant-Man attraction, right? Yep, that's right. I was very surprised at that. So very few of them are at, you know, Space Mountain's at five of them, and very few of them even have that many. Uh, But I was surprised that Buzz Lightyear is in every single resort. 
That's crazy to me. It's a popular attraction, man. It's not mm-hmm. that good, though. The evil Emperor like, Zerg, dude. Like, it could be so much better. It could. It's a good sit-down rest. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's a good three-minute rest after the two hours of standing in line. You're right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was all interesting because, you know, Disneyland is usually the place where these concepts are grown and then, mm-hmm. you know, shipped out to the other parks. And there are rare examples where it goes the other way. And I just thought it was interesting to kind of look at what which ones they were since Space Mountain was one of them. Oh, uh, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Also, as a plug for something that may be coming around the corner, Space Mountain was one of our finalists in March Mayhem last year. Oh, that's very true. It was. Yes. Man, March Mayhem was fun. Yes, it was. It ah, was. I hear that March is coming <laughs> around again this year. I think they have March every year. What? I don't. I don't yeah. Know. Huh. I kind of feel like they do. Thought, thought we were just getting lucky and getting another one this year. I thought it was like leap year, but well, well, March mayhem happened last year. March is coming. We'll just leave that there. <laughs> All right. To be well, continued. I have some trivia for you then, Mr. Sweet. Trivia guy person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we know that uh, there was several different overlays for Space Mountain. You know, we had the mm-hmm. the Aerosmith version, and then we had, like, the cool, the claw version. And then we had <laughs> Ghost Galaxy, and then Hyperspace Mountain, and, of course, the original version of Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes overlays work out, and sometimes they don't work out, like you were talking about, where it was going to be the, what was it, Nebula? What was it called? Nightmare, Nightmare Nebula. Nebula. Nightmare Nebula. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it doesn't work out. But of all of the overlays, you know, sometimes they just happen for a season of the force. Which of all of the overlays was the most short-lived? Ooh, like in number of days? Yes. Oh, gosh. You don't uh, have to nail the days. You could just tell me which one it was yeah. unless you know the days, which I would be totally oh, yeah, impressed I don't know by the, the way. days. I mean, my instinct would tell me it would be... Um, hyperspace because it just came on for short periods but i don't know anything about the rock and space mountain version and how long it lasted uh i'm ghost galaxy's been going every halloween for years i'm going hyperspace mountain all right mel what what about you wait are we just talking about space mountain yeah overlays? space mountain yeah then At it would Disneyland. be um rocket final answers yeah you're correct I should have let Melissa answer first. Dang it, that was dumb. <laughs> so the, Bad strategy. The rocking <laughs> version that had the Red Hot Chili Peppers music only ran from January to April of 2007. Ah, man. So there you go. Uh, you know, one one thing I do want to comment on and about Space Mountain is that I think technology is fantastic. I think it takes us to new places where these experiences really just engulf you and you can just be in a different location. And considering what was done, I mean, I think we'll eventually talk about the other versions of Space Mountain, but Journey to the Moon, which was the version of Space Mountain at Euro Disney, Disneyland Paris, was originally called Discovery Mountain, 
mm-hmm. they they had all of these elements in the attraction where using blue light technology there were all these asteroids you would physically fly by and just all these rocks and elements from space that just i think took it to a whole other level that if they added something like that to this space mountain i think would really elevate the attraction uh Mm -hmm. black light technology super easy to use projections are cool but i think having those physical elements where these three-dimensional structures are just around the corner every time you go somewhere i think really adds a different experience to attractions like this so i i wish they would have done something like that at space mountain here in anaheim sure i think also on a similar note you know where technology is great Mm-hmm. Space Mountain is still just such a pure attraction, you know? Yeah. It's just a simple concept of a roller yeah. coaster in the dark with some fantastic theming that leads you up to it and puts you in that mind space. And it just works, you know? It's exciting every time. And, it, yeah, it's great when they do some projections like Ghost Galaxy or Hyperspace Mountain, but you don't need it for it to be awesome. Yeah. It's just yeah. a purely fun attraction and that's why it has stood the test of time and you know i don't feel like people are like clamoring for oh it's almost overlay time again you know they love it no matter what it's always one of the longer queues and always popular yeah i agree well melissa thank you very much uh for for that trip into into space on space mountain uh i loved it Uh, If you guys want (laughs) to comment on Space Mountain, make sure to head over to the blog post, podcasters.com slash 240. You can also hit us up on all the social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for Podcasters. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you guys think. If you guys have any trivia or tidbits that you'd like to share with us, hopefully you do a little bit better than I'm I did today. Because seriously, <laughs> hashtag fail. My head is so clouded right now. I'm happy I remember my name. So there, and that's why I'm so bad at these <laughs> trivia challenges too. I freeze Whatever, up, Kevin. Dude, I freeze up on these, and I just I I'm horrible. I just can't do it. I would be so bad on a game show. I would just flub it. Like, I always remember these random facts while we're talking or while we're just having these conversations. But then when the trivia is on the spot, I'm like, ah, 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 false. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bad at that. (laughs) All right, everyone. Uh, That is going to wrap it up for this episode. Remember that if you guys have... Any feedback on what we're presenting now, make sure to leave us a comment or connect with us. You can even send an email to comments at podcasters.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, If you have any suggestions on what you'd like us to cover in future episodes, again, that is also where you can connect with us. And uh, I'm I'm excited because next is our armchair Imagineering episode. And... It's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I love those episodes. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Memo to Disney. Tune in. We're gonna bring it. <laughs> Hashtag bring it. Is that is that uh, am I uh, is that gimmick infringement for the Rock? Because I said that I don't want to be gimmick infringing. 
Uh, I, I think no. you're fine. All right. You're fine. Cool. You're, you're yeah, good. DJ's pretty cool, so it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what his friends call him, so, you know, me and DJ. Okay. Like, it's like me and Bobby. Just, you know, just yep. speed up. Yep. Text them. Yeah, we, we totally believe all that. Yep. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. So, until next week, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Bye, space travelers. Major luck. Boodle boodle. <laughs> now that's Star Tours. <laughs> same land, same land. Insert Finding Nemo sound effect. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. mine? mine? <laughs>